The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Schmitty Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hello again. Hey, everybody. So, um, first of all, I want to dive right in because, um, you know, I, I stalk you on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff and, you know, your website and everything. Um, but I've been dying to ask you, uh, since I last saw you, about this uh, video on your Facebook page. It's going absolutely nuts. Can you please explain what's going on? Because of all the people to explain this and talk about this, it's you. Yeah, this is from the dodo.com and uh, we, we we posted it on our site. We, we share mm-hmm. a lot of what they do. I, I, I love it. I love the dodo, by the way. And they, it's a website, if you don't know, for the love of animals. So you can, lots of great mm-hmm. video, lots of great stories. So we share a lot of their stuff. And this one just went viral. It's a video um, of a kid that is hugging a Rottweiler. Mm. And the Rottweiler is the most amazingly inhibited dog because the, the dog is growling. Mm. I mean, a real low get away from me growl. And the kid is continuing to harass this dog and continuing to hug it. And what really frightens me is that, well, this is a snap or a bite waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness the dog is as controlled as, as you know, this dog is because the warning signals are just this dog is giving out warning signal after warning signal after warning signal and the person who's filming it does not stop and you have to think this is a parent this is an adult in charge filming their child hugging the rottweiler thinking it's cute and the dog is growling it's unbelievable i mean it's frightening to see and you know like you say we how many senseless dog bites and even more tragedies where a dog gets killed totally preventable and this is terrible an example so but here's here's what the okay. girl's saying when you watch the video she's she's bless her little heart she's it's not her fault and uh, the little girl you mean yes, hugging she's the dog lo- she's loving this dog she mm-hmm. says she's saying you'll never stop getting lovies and i love you and as she's hugging it the the dog is licking his lips straining his body away baring his teeth he's growling and um it was interesting because some of the some people were interviewed about this. In fact, my canine aggression expert and very good friend Jim Crosby was interviewed about this. In fact, one person who was interviewed said that, "Oh, this is kind of just a, a rotty. This is a, a rotty thing that they do growl like this. They are very growly dogs." N- uh, no. no, not like this. Not like this. No. I think I think there's a rotty grumble, and um, but there's not a. This is a very unhappy growl, mm-hmm. and um. And St. Jim Cross, who quite rightly says, this is the dog that's giving all of the signs to back away. And the kid doesn't know. Right. And, you know, in fact, they, they did uh, uh, extensive studies at the University of Lincoln in the UK. And the study showed that when children of this age, probably about sort of six, seven, five, six, mm-hmm. seven, this kid, when they see 
a picture of a dog baring its teeth, you know what they say? Mm-mm. The dog is smiling. Mm. Yeah. That's how the that's how young children perceive teeth because it looks exactly like what we do when we smile. Right. Because we show our teeth exactly that, and so that for me, it was really interesting study to find out how young children perceive various body postures, various signals from dogs. It's completely different. So this kid doesn't know, and the parent. That this is when parents, people who are in charge of of, of little ones are so reckless and are mm-hmm. so irresponsible and sorry i have to say it clueless mm-hmm. no you're clueless. right clueless well the thing that's the thing that's scary is that this young child does not know the difference they're not being taught because the parent doesn't know and so this rottweiler may be very controlled and this rottweiler may be their family dog but what happens when they go to visit a friend and they have another dog. It could be a lab. It could be a poodle. And the child is taught, oh, I could hug the dog. And that dog is not used to it. And that dog is not as controlled. And that's where we have the tragedies and the accidents that happen. So what might work in your house, luckily for you. And then, you know, when something happens, they all get, they're all shocked. <gasps> we never, we never expected this. It was so unlike it. Not no, our dog. it's been there. Yeah. And so, you know, I think honestly, from that from that video, every parent should go on and watch this. And every parent who's not sure, hey, I don't know what the warning sign is. How do I know if it's a grumble? How do I know if my dog's not just, you know, I have a dog who when you, you know, when you, when you rub her, she does that like happy groan. Yes. You want to know the difference? Look at this video and see this and learn. And you know what? It couldn't hurt anybody to take a look and just say, let's know the warning signs, whether you have dogs or not, because you may be in a situation where a dog has a reaction like that, whether you're hugging the dog or not. The dog could be sitting across the room looking at you as mm-hmm. an aggressor mm-hmm. and doing those same signals, and you need to know, walk away. This is reckless parenting. I'm sorry, Absolutely. but it's reckless parenting, and so someone needs to get to these parents. And I'm hoping, I mean, the video's gone viral, mm-hmm. and the comments, I'm sure, on the video have, and, and the parents or the caregivers, whoever it is taking the taking mm-hmm. the film are going to see it and go oh maybe we just did something really stupid hopefully and hopefully they do because you're putting your child at risk you're putting your dog at risk that dog of course, that child that oh, dog gets put down this dog is amazing though the mm-hmm. the restraint that this dog is showing mm-hmm. and and so I, I that's why i wanted to talk about it today because yeah. i want people to to watch it and you will put a link up yeah. on on our site so that you can see it Okay, good. I mean, a, a bad story, but hopefully has uh, good consequences as people watch it and learn. And thank goodness that that child is okay. So now we got a good story, though. I wanted to do yeah. this good story. Oh gosh, this uh, this man is one of my favorite people in the mm-hmm. world. He is so incredible, and his name is Austin Weichel, and he is a sculptor. I love it. And he's very young, mm-hmm. but he is extremely talented and I met him through a mutual friend of ours Mm -hmm. when I saw his work I was absolutely blown away he is one of the youngest people to have a monument in Washington DC it's amazing he is you told me about him I didn't know about him and uh his, it, his work, it's, un, it's unreal that it's so realistic, and but it's beautiful. He captures the essence. It's not just, ah, this is a sculpture and you walk by. It's, you know, most things are inanimate. It looks alive. I, 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 let's call him because I, I really want to talk to this guy. 
The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's a phone! Hey, Austin, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is such an honor to have you on. I am such a fan of your work, and now... I'm a I, new fan. I just converted Holly. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Tell us a I little really bit. Love. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you started, and, um, and also about your firefighting as well. Sure. Uh, well, I started when I was about 14 years old, and I um, actually am severely dyslexic, so I've always was attracted to art. And when I went to my grandparents' house in Prescott, Arizona, uh, we went to a local bronze foundry, and the guy gave me a piece of clay, and he said, bring this back next year and see what you have. Um, after that, then I got a fork and a knife at my grandparents' house and started my first sculpture ever of a firefighter. I didn't have any photos uh, or any reference. It was just came from the heart. Um, and I went back to my uh, high school or, you know, a few years later and everything and refined it a few times, brought it back a, uh, sometime later. And he said, we got a bronze this, one for me, one for my grandparents, and he passed it one for himself as well. And I worked there to see how they take an artist's creation out of clay that never dries to a sculpture that is bronze. And so I learned out the whole process. After that, then um, went through my high school program uh, here in Loveland, Colorado. And I was the only um, artist in the 3D realm there. And what we had to do is 20 art pieces. So I did eight mixed media. So I did um, snow, stone, wood, bronze and clay, abstract realism. And then my concentration was the fire department. And at the time, I was a student firefighter for the Loveland Fire Department. And so I learned the trade on that end, too. And um, I was always inspired to be a firefighter, so it kind of worked out. And I sent it off to New York City. I got the highest score you can get is five out of five in the class. Wow. And then after that, then I was um, uh, in a few magazines and newspapers. And that's when the Windsor Fire Department called me up, and they asked me to do a sculpture for them. And I was thinking something 18 inches high, and they said, no, we want it life-size. So I started my first sculpture, uh, my first contracted piece, my first pretty much everything um, as a life-size sculpture. Uh, and so at 19 years old, I was able to install that. That's amazing. And, you know, you so you you really combined your two passions for art and firefighting because and and this is where this is where I was introduced to you with the National Fire Dog Monument, which is um, amazing. And that is in Washington, D.C. now. And um, it's a life-size fireman with an arson canine. And for those mm. listeners who have just joined us and um, for those people who have listened to the podcast for a long time, you'll know about arson dogs and my work with arson dogs. But for those of you who just joined us, there we've done a wonderful series with the State Farm Arson Dog Training Program. And you can go on YouTube to see that. And it's all about arson dogs. And we met Austin via Heather Paul, who heads the State Farm um, Arson Dog Program. <laughs> 
and we got to go to Washington DC to see the fire dog um, monument or memorial really really impressive and tell us a little bit how that came about and didn't you have to bring the whole monument across the country Hmm. we did yep we did uh with heather paul from state farm she's absolutely amazing uh amazing person and amazing program and so um jerry means is an arson investigator in colorado um at the time he had a dog named sadie she's now retired and it was inspired by his first dog aaron and he sat me down and he said, this is kind of what we'd like to do. I don't know where it's going to be put um, or anything like that, but I really want a monument. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so I started it uh, life-size as a firefighter uh, standing next to an arson dog, and an arson dog is sitting. And the most powerful connection is the unseen connection, and that's the dog looking up at the firefighter and the firefighter looking up down at the dog um, in the eyes. Mm. And what I really wanted to capture is that bond. It's a lot of people with their animals and everything, they know that bond. And that's really what I wanted to capture. And so with State Farm and Heather Paul, she said, well, we got to really show this thing off. And so we started in Denver, went up to Chicago on a road show, all the way to New York City and Times Square, was featured on Fox and Friends and numerous papers. And then we went down to Washington, D.C., and we put this um, sculpture on a 80-foot-long uh, semi-truck. That's a flatbed, so it's a lot longer than a normal semi, and we're trying to go through these cities and certain permits we have to make. Um, and so we got just about into all the cities that we wanted to, and then we finally got to Washington, D.C. and unveiled it. Amazing. And, yeah, it's it was a very, very interesting uh, project and a very fun one. And I think, and I know that a lot more people know about these dogs now. And if you don't, you know, like you were saying, take a look at your YouTube channel and really understand who these, what these dogs are. They're not like police dogs or anything. They're arson dogs. They're fun-loving dogs that do amazing things. They do. They, they, they really do. And if you want to go see that, the Arson Dog series, We've got some wonderful episodes, youtube.com forward slash Victoria Stillwell. If you want to go and see, if you're in Washington, D.C., go to downtown Washington, and it's fire station number two. If you Google that, look that up, you'll be able to find um, where Austin's um, memorial is. It's really, it really is wonderful, and it was great for us to go see it because we were there with Heather, but I would like to go see it with you one day, Austin, and that we're all in Washington, D.C. together. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be fantastic. And, you know, I, I, at your website, austinweischel.com, um, you have examples of all your work. It's beautiful. I mean, first of all, it's so realistic and it's so lifelike. Um, do you sell these individually or can somebody commission a piece from you? Because I also see that you do other, you know, you've got something, of a bust of Theodore Roosevelt. You've got a bust of Robin Williams. You know, you've got family stuff. I mean, you know, birds. It's beautiful. But if somebody wanted a piece of yours, could they commission it or buy something? Oh, definitely both. Um, you know, from desktop to monumental sculptures. Uh, you know, people are really into me sculpting their animals. Mm. And so um, doing a lot, a lot of custom commissions that way. Um, it's very easy to do. They just send me photos. I take those photos and pretty much just um, look at it and, and sculpt it. It takes, you know, about a month for me to actually do it, but it's worth it in the end because they get something that's going to be in their home forever, and it's going to represent their their animal. 
and that's the coolest thing that uh, that's the satisfaction I get about sculpting um, a dog or uh, your animal uh, is you can have them forever. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ones, I think, uh, it really shows a, a, a dog investigating is your your ones called Seeking Justice. That was one I was looking yeah, at. Isn't it? It's just awesome. wonderful. And that's the dog just yeah. in the act of just but smelling. What's just... amazing is you have to see, for me, I look at this and it's not just a sculpture. There's, you, you get the emotion. Yes. You get the feeling. Like it's very much alive. I, how do you do that? How do you capture that? A long, long time. It takes a long time to sculpt. <laughs> and, you know, I sculpt out of this clay that never dried, different than pottery clay. And by I'm able to go back and refine it, refine it. I'm very, very um, a big perfectionist. So that's why I get commissioned for a lot of these intricate pieces. And I just got done with um, the clay version of a over life size Melanois. So Melanois are pretty much the police canines now. Um, they're kind of like a German Shepherd, but they're skinnier, they're smaller. And this dog. Um, you know, it's about 125 pounds, 130 pound dog when you go over life size. And the stance of it is very, very powerful, honorable. And the Round Rock Police Department in Texas, they really wanted to capture um, all their dogs. Now, the funny thing is about them is that they don't have any melon ones. <laughs> they have all these other dogs that actually came from shelters hmm. that are police dogs, that are public uh, safety kind of dogs. And, but they really wanted a kind of an iconic uh, dog figure for their memorial. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at all of these things know, on your website right now. And um, if, if people want to contact you, where is the, or, or go to you, where is the best place that they can see images of your work? Well, they could go on my um, the website like you are right now, and they can contact me on my contact page. It's my personal email or my personal cell phone. Uh, they, that's very easy. In a few weeks here, the website will change. It'll be enhanced, more videos of how a sculpture is created. And the coolest thing, though, too, when people do commission me is I'm doing videos of their sculpture in creation. And so mm-hmm. they can actually show their friends or their loved ones about how this is actually handmade. It's not 3D printed. Um, it's all by the hand. How long does cool how long does it take you to do one of these? Say not the life size, but say a, a you know moderate size sculpture. Um, you know something that's going to be like a portrait of a dog, uh, mm-hmm. something that's a medium kind of size dog. I really take a lot of time into it, so you're probably looking between two and three weeks um, mm-hmm. once I actually start digging in and sculpting it and everything. So you're looking at about that time frame. That's nothing. I, I thought you were going to say two to three months. It takes me that long just to. Clean my closet. And, and Austin, well, t- sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, it does. It, um, so that's just the sculpting, and then it goes through the lost wax casting that's been around for 2,000 years, and that's how they bronze it. So you mold it. Um, after that, they put wax in there, and it's a huge process. So in a few weeks, too, on this new website, you'll see a, an amazing video of how these sculptures are actually made as well into bronze. You know, and, and you are how old, Austin? Uh, 26 years old. Whoa. 26 years old. Are you old. kidding me? 
It's like you've been doing this forever. You know, that's what I say when they say a God-gift talent. Isn't that's it? it. Like, there's just, I mean, some of these, I looked at one of them, and the, the one that you have, it's just like when I grow up, this one, you have to see this one. It's so lifelike. I thought, is that a picture or is that a sculpture? It's beautiful, isn't it? Unbelievable. Well. You know what? I, I always say um, that I've met some amazing people through animals and uh-huh. through my work, and Austin is one of those. He's He has, he's got this God-given talent, and thank you so much for coming on our show and talking about your work again if anybody if you're interested please go to austinweishel.com you can find all the information and i'm gonna have you know what what i'm gonna treat myself mm-hmm. and i'm gonna have sadie oh. forever captured in bronze that's great i will my, I do, my lab do sadie too. so um great. yes it's gonna it's gonna happen great it's, well thank you so much for having me i i really appreciate it and everything Thank Um, you, Austin. Thank you. Yeah, best of luck to you. Bye. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Hey, you got something on your mind? Are you a wizard or genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, You obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Dogs delight in learning, and Zooks provides the energy they need to fuel every training session. For 20 years, Zooks has created natural treats that energize and entice your dogs with wholesome, antioxidant-rich ingredients. Zooks are as nutritious as they are delicious. Learn more at zooks.com, and my dogs love them. (laughs) They do the perfect training treat. Awesome. Mm. Well, um, this Holly in California, um, I think we're soulmates, Holly. I'm Holly. You're Holly. We have the same issue, and maybe this could help with her problem. She's got a one-year-old multi-poo that has resource guarding and insecurity issues surrounding food and high-value items like a bully stick, marrow bones, etc. She said, we used to use the dominance method and make him submit, which we realized only made it worse. Brownie points for that. We are new to positive training, only three months, and we've been trying to follow things like hand-feeding meals, swapping out bully sticks using cues, take it and drop it, and giving him treats while he's chewing on a bully stick. It's not helping, and he growls when you get close. He also just resource-guarded a used tissue the other day, which worries me that it's expanding to things outside of food. I'm trying to increase his confidence, but I'm at a loss of what to try next. Mm. Now, hers is a little bit further than mine, but I do have some of the same issues where my dog resource-guards, and like... Like we go into the bedroom because I have another dog. He gets on the bed and he growls. He's resourcing the bed, guarding the bed. Don't get up here. So I am listening with open ears as well. Yeah, those things are controllable. And I love it that she's doing the take it and drop it. Mm-hmm. You start off with low value. When you teach your dog take it and drop it, you start with low value stuff that the dog is very fine, is, is okay about giving up. And then you gradually increase the value. So, for example, if I might use a tug rope to begin with for a dog that's maybe not so excited about a tug rope, and I'll do the take it, take the take the uh, tug rope into your mouth, we'll play it a little bit, and then when I say drop it, you release it. And that's the same thing that I do with uh, chews as well. So, for example, so I'll start with a tug rope, and then I will gradually increase the value until we get to a chew, a bully stick or something like that. However... If you've got a dog that's already got the issue with a bully stick, don't feed them bully sticks. It is as simple as that. If you can manage your environment so that your dog doesn't practice or have a chance to practice or or, um, rehearse the behavior, then do it. So no bully sticks for that dog. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Not until you are confident 
that your dog doesn't have an issue because bully sticks obviously this one's Achilles heel just just has to has to defend it and mm-hmm. same thing with tissues tissues and socks seem really? to be a real problem especially if the dog finds a tissue somewhere goes and runs away with it and then you want to go and get it it's it's, it's a resource i mean it's just a tissue but it's still a resource it becomes very important for that dog and uh, again try manage your environment so there aren't places that your dog can get tissues from now if you find that your dog has a tissue the worst thing to do and is resource guarding the work worst thing to do is to challenge that Mm-hmm. So if the take and drop it does not work with a really high value object like that, then this is what I do. I also find uh, I get not close to the dog, but I get something similar and I start playing with it. So I would get maybe some tissues of my own and I would start playing with them, really putting my focus on these tissues. And sometimes what you find, not with all dogs, but sometimes what you find is that they... Now their tissue isn't so valuable because yours looks much more interesting. Mm-hmm. And you're putting, there's no focus. Mom's not worried about what I've got, but she's really focusing on this. Sometimes what you'll find is the dog will drop the tissue in its mouth and come over and see what you're investigating. And then you just sort of move away and play and then hopefully try and get somebody else to take the tissue that the dog had stolen or take the dog out of the room and then go and retrieve the tissue afterwards. The worst thing to do with all of these, all of this resource guarding is to create a challenge go up to the dog say really get mad with the dog and Mm -hmm. it's all got to be like because the dog resource guarding is a very normal natural behavior we resource guard too did you know that no we do and we alarm our homes don't we so Uh... nobody steals stuff we also have car uh, alarm on our cars so that nobody steals our property now i do this when i do talks and seminars in order to illustrate what resource guarding is like, because we get annoyed with dogs that resource guard, mm-hmm. we tell them off. It's tough. But um, if you think about it this, this way, is when I'm doing my seminars, I jump off the stage or I go into the audience and I will just, without saying anything, I will steal somebody's bag. Mm-hmm. And I will take it back up to the front again and I will start opening the bag and going through all of the stuff. And you can find that the person's either going to come up and try and take the bag back from me or they're just going to sit and just be shocked. Mm-hmm. And I go through and I take their keys and I take their wallet and I go into their wallet and I take the money out of the wallet, put it in my back pocket. put, And, and I'm saying, how is this feeling for you? Because um, what I'm doing is I'm compromising that person's safety. Oh, wow. So I'm taking their keys so they can't drive home. Mm-hmm. And that means they're going to have to walk or get a cab. But I've actually taken the money so there's nothing to pay the cab with. So now I'm compromising their safety because now they can't drive home. Now they're going to have to walk. And if it's at night, that's not great. So then when I when I do that, they kind of these really valuable objects, which are extremely valuable to us, our phones, our keys, our money, um, that is the same as a tissue is for a dog that finds a tissue very important or a chew toy. Do you see what I mean? Yes. So when we put it in human terms, people get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it is important just because it's a tissue doesn't mean it's important. So that was, I was saying management is the most important thing, teaching your dog a good take and drop it, refocusing, getting something of similar value and focus, putting your focus on it. So you don't challenge mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, if your dog eats, eats a tissue, it's okay. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Somehow. And sometimes you do a distraction. I know you do this, Holly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll ring the doorbell. Yeah. If I think that this, this, nothing's going to work. I just go and ring the doorbell right. and then my dog oh somebody's here they drop the tissue and yeah we knock on the door and we're like who is it come in and yeah. then he's like what someone's here exactly mm-hmm. breaks that breaks that real that concentration 
So is that of help? Yeah. And what I find what you taught me to do with the food is that I feed Barnsley, who's my resource guarder, in a quiet, private place. He gets a room. We close the doors. He'll growl over it for a second and then he looks up and he sees there's nobody around there's nobody you know I make sure the other dog's not in sight so it's also the confidence of okay I can eat this because no one's trying to get it because when we leave the door open he thinks well it's true anybody could walk in or anything but he just knows that it's quiet and nobody bothers him yeah and he feels safe doing it and it's all about safety and it's all about safety and survival if you boil it down at the end of the day that's what it's all about perfect yeah and I will say that I know Holly it's really tough because you know Victoria knows I struggled with for a long time and it upset me so much but we're at a really manageable place right now so it will work you just got to stick with it and trust Vic because she helped us at home okay let's talk about uh, Patty from Pennsylvania and she said she's got a two-year-old male Pembroke Welsh Corgi Mm -hmm. she hikes with him daily about two to four miles because she lives in a great area for state parks and she never does the same path every day she switches it up for him she said, this has our, been our routine from puppy stage. My issue is he's been taking his treats and hiding them in the corners of my home and guarding them. A little bit of guarding. Mm. I know he's a working breed, so I try to give puzzle games. He's got baskets of toys, and he gets at least two to three hours of playtime between myself and my husband. I'm feeling and thinking, since he's working breed, that maybe he has a need for a job. So if so, what job is suitable? And thank you for any suggestions. I love She's her. doing a lot She's of great amazing. things. She's amazing. Already, you are doing amazing things. I love you to bits. You're doing puzzle games, doing hikes, two to four miles. I mean, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing – this This is great. Um try manage so chews and treats what kind of chews and treats are you giving are they really meaty delicious chews um or is does he guard those but doesn't guard biscuit treats again uh, i i i know i say this but just don't give them to him yeah because you don't want the dog the more the dog rehearses the behavior the more he'll do the behavior um and but with regarding a job it's obviously these these corgis were bred to herd cattle and you know that's the reason why they're, they're low to the ground, oh. is that they can breed, they can nip at the heels of cattle to get them moving. Huh. But when the when the when the cow kicks back, the dog is so low on the ground that it actually won't kick the dog. So the the hoof goes over the dog's head. Oh. That was the reason why they're so low to the ground. So they're really good herders for cattle, and um, their height means that they don't get injured. Short, stocky dogs. I should start breeding. Nice little piece of information. Um, So you can't exactly take your dog to go herd cows. I don't think that's going to work. Unless there's somewhere in your area that you can find, great, good for you. And and I would say, you know, as well, um, I do a lot of the herding breeds. There are a lot of people in -hmm. in the UK and as well here in the United States that do sheep herding as well. Mm. So maybe that could be a thing. But... Uh, I would also, there's also a great activity called tribal. And tribal is a fun activity for dogs that love to herd. And tribal does it with sort of the ogre-sized balls and um, where dogs learn to kind of push them and herd them into huh. a, like a soccer goal. Get out. Isn't That's that cute? So cool. Tribal. It's T-R-E-I-B-A-L-L. We'll put a link up on our website okay. to, to tribal. Yeah, it's just awesome. So, hey, try it. I love it. That's really cool. Okay, we have time for one more, I think. Um, and this is Rachel in Missouri. And she says, her two-year-old Boston Terrier, who was neutered later in life, so the dog was about 13 months, lifts his leg to pee and kicks up the dirt after he goes pee and poo and uh, to spread his scent glands on the bottom of his feet. And he loves it. He gets all excited. And sometimes he has the zoomies <clears throat> zoomy after. The only odd thing is that when he will poop, he lifts his foot on the tree or telephone pole like he will pee. Then he brings his other leg up. 
onto the poster tree. So now he's doing a handstand using his feet on the tree for support, trying to push his butt as high up in the tree as he can, and then he poops. Unless it falls off the tree. Usually I'm picking poop off the tree instead of the ground when I go to clean it up after him. It's the strangest thing I've never seen before. Is this a way of marking his territory even more and trying to assert his dominance? Why Mm -hmm. does he do this? And I love that question because obviously the dog's fine, but this is cool to find out. (laughs) Uh, You need to watch one episode of It's Me or the Dog. I've forgotten which season it was. but It was was one of the first, um, maybe it was the second or third season that we filmed in the UK. Uh, Chihuahuas doing handstands whilst they're peeing. Literally oh doing gosh. a handstand, yeah, Get or a out. poor stand, I should say, <laughs> um, lifting their butts into the air and getting that urine really high. Yeah. So effectively it's saying that oh, there's a big dog here. <laughs> so you say, okay, the higher you get your scent, the easier it is for other dogs to smell, nose height, isn't yeah. it? But the bigger area that you can cover, because the higher the wind is going to catch more of it, but also you're saying that you're, you know, you're, you're the big guy around here. And dogs will scent not just with urine, but they will also scent with feces. So I've had (laughs) chihuahuas especially. It seems to be the chihuahuas that do this most, that they will actually poop up against a wall inside the house. So fortunately, your dog is doing this outside the house. (laughs) So it shouldn't be a problem. And hey, if it's pooping halfway up a tree, great. You don't have to bend down so far to pick it up. (laughs) Like the way you think positively too. (laughs) Yes. It's not. It really is not. It's not a bizarre behavior. It's a very normal behavior. The feces has um, all the pheromones in it as well. Yeah. As it passes through the anal sacs and uh so all of that those pheromones get um put onto the feces as well so yeah and that's why dogs will smell other dogs poop because it's got a lot of chemical messages in there so rachel your dog's actually kind of a genius it is kind of a genius i love it and so are you vic thank you so much i feel better i feel more knowledgeable <laughs> and uh there you have it. There we have, you have it. We have, That's it. This is it. This, we've come to the end. A little bit of a break we're going to take. We are. We're we've gonna, come to the end of our of, of this um, series. This of podcasts. series. Yeah. But we'll, we're going to regenerate, come up with some new ideas. And uh, please feel free, to, though, to continue to email us, Positively.com. Go to the website. Still will be plenty of information, a lot of dog trainer information, information on dog trainers that Vic has near you. So, um We'll still be here. It'll just uh, be a little bit before we have another podcast, but we promise we will come back. And uh, is it renew, reuse, recycle? We're not going to reuse or recycle, but we'll be renewed, right? We will be renewed. And thank you so much for listening. And thank you so much for writing in for your questions. It's been a real, real dream. And also, I just want to say thank you for to Zooks for sponsoring um, the series of podcasts. We love Zooks. We really do. And thank you so much for supporting us. Fantastic. So uh, take a little break, go back and re-listen to some of your favorites and then come up with some great questions for us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stilwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Positively.